the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investingunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to episode 115 of Magic Markets. It feels really good to be saying these sort of numbers, Mo. We've been doing this for a while and we've been lucky enough to have some really, really cool and smart people join us on the show. And we've got another one of those joining us today who I'm very much looking forward to getting some updates from and talking about a few specific stocks. But before we welcome our guest, Mo, hello all the way from Canada. Did you watch the cabinet reshuffle? Because I didn't bother, I must be honest. (laughs) Yeah, Ghost, uh, always a pleasure doing this with you. Uh, Episode 115. You know, if you want to bring in cabinet reshuffle, maybe 115 is like a new stage of load shedding, unfortunately, in South Africa. Just judging by some of the people I'm speaking to are sit without energy for over 12 hours in a day. I, unfortunately for my sins, did watch the cabinet reshuffle. And I'm starting to wonder why, you know, because, you know, the timing thereof gets pushed terrible out. It, it is a terrible rookie error. Rookie maybe error. Maybe it's uh, some nostalgia creeping in there, but let's not get bogged down in the detail of that. <laughs> As I said in Ghost Mail this morning, the only cabinet reshuffler I like is my cat. <laughs> Outside of that, not interesting. Yeah, luckily, no cabinet reshuffling on this show. You know, we're bringing back some familiar faces to our listeners. Uh, and it's our pleasure to welcome Craig and Tony from Anbro Capital. Because regular listeners will know we regularly ping the team at Anbro. We ask them to share some of their ideas. They put stocks on the radar for us that, you know, maybe weren't sitting on on our kind of spectrum of what we're looking at. We ask them to share some of their ideas and they're actually very generous with that. They share that with us on the show. We get to debate it, we get to unpack some of that. So that's gonna be the flavor of the show. And I think quite apt as well in that we're gonna be focusing on energy energy as a sector, because it's not just topical in South Africa where there's almost a complete lack thereof, but it's also topical globally. So I'm not going to steal too much from the show. I'm going to welcome Craig and Tony from Annenbro. Craig, welcome back to Magic Markets. Hi there, Mo. Hi there, Ghost. Happy to be here as always. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, it should be a good one. It always is. And we love learning about specific global stocks with you. I think that's something that our audience has become used to. So let's not waste any time on that, Craig. I'm keen to see what's in your goodie bag today. Uh, where would you like to start? Well, I think as Mo alluded to just in the introduction, energy is becoming a key theme again. And not only was it already a key theme before load shedding started in SA, I guess, and before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's been a, a consistent theme of how the world's trying to move to clean and green energy and away from fossil fuels and trying to protect the planet and that kind of thing. And obviously as a theme and as a mega trend, if you like, it's something at Anbro that we look at and we want to try and participate in as best we can. So it's something we 
we always keep an eye on. There's always stocks that we have in the portfolios that play to that theme. And obviously, you know, depending on one's risk profile and whether you're looking for a more conservative approach or a more growth orientated approach, it could fit in the Ancomp or the Unicorn portfolio. You know, we look at both ways of playing that. So, you know, the, the, obviously the energy theme is big, as we said, and it kicked off last year in particular in the States with the IRA or the Inflation Reduction Act, which really I think is considered the biggest ever attempt by the US to tackle this issue. And it's really, it's making about $400 billion available to the clean energy and green energy sectors in the state. And, you know, listening to a conference call with one of the company's management teams that we invest in in Europe the other day, one of the analysts asked the CEO, this is Iberdrola, by the way, which is a European utility stock that we're investing in Ancomp. I asked them, you know, what is your view on clean energy and um, or green and clean energy and the future and, you know, and where do you want to be most exposed to it? And his answer was, well, first exposure, the US, second exposure, the US, and third exposure, the US. And I think, you know, his reasoning for that was quite simple. Yes, the IRA is very straightforward. It's easy to understand. The companies know that this $400 billion is there. And the government in the States has made a pretty clear line of sight in terms of how people can access that funding and those tax credits and those benefits. Europe seems to fumble along a bit, etc. But US is clearly the place to be. And that's where we tend to focus on today. Yeah, I just want to jump in there, Craig, because it's, it's so important. I mean, first, second, third case, all the U.S. Uh, and again, maybe it's quite a contrast because, you know, the sense I get from IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, is that this is geared towards new investment. I mean, if we compare this again within a South African context, we've had like a number of investment in BSOs and conferences and so forth. And what we had seen in a lot of those was repackaging existing FDI or repackaging existing investment, for example, into just putting a label on it, saying, okay, well, this is now part of this investment initiative we're running. What is the sense you're getting in terms of the IRA? I'm certain there's a lot of new investment that's going in there. I'm certain a lot of the tax incentives are geared towards that being new investment, but is there also an element of, for example, old projects that might just get branded with an IRA kind of label to say, this is all part of this new government initiative? Uh, that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, which sectors stand to benefit from that IRA initiative in the US? I mean, we're obviously touching on energy today, but broadly speaking, what have you seen from Anbro in terms of some of the high-level sectoral opportunities emanating out of that act? Sure. Well, you know, Mo, the first way with regards to answer the first question, with regards to where we see all the action taking place. And, you know, the first thing to look at, I think, is US power generation capacity, for example. And, you know, according to the American Power Association, you know, the US has just over 1.2 million megawatts of power generation capacity. And it's split mostly as follows. You have natural gas, which is 44% of that. Coal, interestingly, is 18.5%. It's the second largest. Third, nuclear, hydro, and wind. The three combined, about 25%. Solar's 5%. And then other is about 7.5%. Now, others split into a whole lot of other little things, literally. So there's waste, landfill, gas, kerosene, all that type of thing. If one looks at where all the investment dollars are going to, you know, and one looks back to 2021, over 99.8% of that capacity and that spend really fell under natural gas, solar and wind. So it's those three buckets which are attracting most of the investment dollars. And they're also expected to be about 98% of additions for 2022. On the other end of the scale though, you see it where the capacity is falling away or being withdrawn if you like. And currently the biggest part of that's coming from coal. 
you know, coal of all capacity retired in 2021, 72% came from coal. And up to 17% of the entire contribution to capacity is expected to be retired in the next two or three years or so. So clearly you can see just by that, you know, there's a massive shift away from fossil fuels and dirty energy, if you like, to clean energy and particularly natural gas, solar and wind. If I answer the second question in terms of how one can play this, well, there's various ways to do it. If you're looking for your sort of picks and shovels type plays, you know, there's those sort of investments that will benefit through the management of, the maintenance of, the selling of parts and components and bits and bobs, if you like, that are required to keep the investment going, the growth going, the infrastructure up and running, that sort of thing. You can also invest in the utilities directly that have the own the actual infrastructure and are providing the power or you can invest in you know some of the technology around say the solar space the wind space and um, the sort of companies that will benefit from this transition to the the newer forms of of clean and green energy if you like yeah, there's some nice ways to play there. And it's quite different to the sort of commodity plays, which I think is where people have historically been looking. And then it's really difficult, right? Because you end up with a big mining house that is very much fossil fuels focused. And then they have, you know, a lithium project or a green metals energy division. And actually it's tiny. It just gets more space than it probably deserves in any of the investor communications that go out. But economically, you're actually buying, you know, an iron ore business or a coal business or whatever the case may be. And Craig, these are companies, I think, that are a lot closer to this kind of energy theme for those looking for green investments, for want of a better description. It feels like things are getting a little bit more developed in this space. I mean, certainly in South Africa, I'm expecting to see quite a bit of market activity now, potential acquisitions. Ellie's has bought a solar business down here. It's actually the South African distributor for Generac. Um, which is, is generators. It's obviously the furthest thing from solar, but that's a business that we covered in Magic Markets Premium recently. So they bought this sort of alternative energy business, and I'm expecting to see more of that coming through. I think Bidvest in their latest results talked about, you know, mopping up some kind of renewable energy type business and investing in that space. So this is playing out across the world. It's not just South Africa. And Craig, that obviously gives you some stock-specific opportunities that you can think about, right? Yes, for certain. And, you know, one way to think about it also is clean energy is not always necessarily the same as green energy. You know, so it's something, you know, you've got to put your hat on and think a little bit about. But, you know, when we talk about clean energy, that's generally considered carbon-free energy. You know, so that's energy that's is really used to generate electricity that's in facilities that do not emit greenhouse gases, for lack of a better example. So they don't generate things like carbon dioxide during the, the generating process. There is some overlap, obviously, between the different categories, but clean energy is different from green, and it's also different from renewable. You know, so green energy is obviously energy that provides the greatest environmental benefit. And most green energy sources like wind and solar also happen to be renewable. You know, so, you know, there's various hats one can put on and, you know, one can use when playing in this space. And I think ultimately what we're looking for really is for those sorts of investments that are both clean and green, you know, if you want. So you can get the best of both worlds. And it's not always easy to do so. But I think from an investor's perspective, if you want to play the ESG theme or the clean energy theme, there's different sorts of companies you can invest in that'll take you on that journey. So when we look at you know the ways in which you can play this this investment theme or this investment strategy there's different ways one can do it and, and if we look at the anbro dividend compounding portfolio or ancomp 
which is uh, the share code as it's listed on the JSC, ANCOMP. This is a portfolio is obviously focused on dividends and the reinvestment and compounding on those dividends. You know, so when we look for companies that fit into that specific portfolio, they are obviously more conservative, high yielding prospects that we look for. And you know, one of them that we can chat about today is a company called Next Era Energy Partners, which is pretty large position in our portfolios for a couple of reasons. First of all, I mean, it's affiliated very closely to a company called Next Era Energy, which is considered one of the biggest new energy companies in the US. They are a Next Era Energy Partners is what they refer to as a drop down business for Next Era Energy, where Next Era Energy might develop whole new projects, whether they be in the solar, natural gas, wind space, and then sell those into the partnership or into the Next Era Energy Partners business. That frees up capital for Next Era Energy to continue to grow, and then Next Era Energy Partners becomes the infrastructure holding company, if you like, for those assets. So they then essentially have built up this portfolio over time of very conservative companies or businesses that comprise their portfolio. And that really sort of filters across the whole sphere, where they become things like natural gas pipelines, nuclear plants, solar farms, wind farms, etc. And what they then do is collect you know the revenues off these businesses manage the assets and almost like a toll booth type operator so what happens is they then look after the assets they earn the income they increase prices over time and they grow by acquisition as well which allows them to be a very conservative play in the infrastructure space and generate a very strong cash flow in the portfolio for investors so if you look at that sort of stock you know we have a dividend yield of just under five percent the dividend is actually growing at 15 percent per annum in dollars which is wonderful and it's been doing so for probably the last three or four years and in management guidance they've come out and said they expect that growth to continue for the next three or four years or so so what's interesting is as the market has moved into more of a risk on mode if you like this year from where we ended last year utility stocks in particular have come under the whip for 2023. So where they were very sort of steady inflation protection type businesses last year, that's the reverse has happened this year. And if you look at the utility sector in the States as a whole, it's down about 7% year to date, whilst the S&P 500 is up five. So, you know, now, you know, we look at companies like this and we say, well, you know, we've had a derating, they were as high as about $86 a share at their peak. They're now trading at $66 per share. So you've had a nice pullback. Dividend yields almost five. It's growing at 15% per annum. And there's a massive runway of growth, you know, with the Inflation Reduction Act and all the investment capacity that's coming that way. So that suits us very nicely for conservative investors looking for high and growing income. If you like, and Next Era Energy Partners is, is one that fits that mold. I think, Craig, that's very interesting. And I mean, something that, that I'm glad you highlighted is, I guess, the differentiation between you know, Next Era Energy Partners and then kind of the, the affiliated company, which was Next Era Energy, uh, because that's an easy mistake that I think maybe listeners, even myself, may have made. And I think if you look at the difference between the two, you know, maybe the share price on Next Era Energy Partners came under a little bit more pressure, mainly as a high dividend yielding stock. Like you say, utilities have come through, but also the, the, the shift in the yield curve, for example, that may have impacted both of those stocks as well. Uh, very interesting for us because, you know, I think if we look at that as the conservative play, 
you know, that's quite interesting. But then you also mentioned a couple of other interesting ideas that would be more suitable towards growth oriented investors. Because, you know, Enbro, we know this from historic shows we've done with yourselves, Enbro run these different portfolios. One is obviously your dynamic compounding portfolio, which is more conservative, income oriented. The other one is the unicorn. And it, it sounds as, as fantastic as a unicorn simply because it's more growth orientated. And certainly if we're talking Inflation Reduction Act, we're talking about massive investment going into the space, kind of driven by this, this government push in the US, we would be remiss to exclude, I guess, the growth dimension from that. So I almost want to go and pick up on, on that aspect of this because you mentioned two potential companies to us but the first one we'll go with is I guess first solar you know that's something you mentioned to us and given this push towards clean energy as well as green energy another very important distinction first solar is something that's topical because for me the jury's out in terms of you know just solar generation versus solar generation as well as storage can you maybe unpack some of that story for us as well? It's a hell of an easy name to remember, actually, Craig, before you get in there, First Solar. You know, it's like every dinner table in South Africa at the moment. Should we go on holiday this year? First Solar. <laughs> yeah, no, First Solar. <laughs> <laughs> first Solar. No holidays, First Solar. First Solar. Easy one to remember. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, First Solar is a very interesting business to us. Now, you know, what they do is they are a solar manufacturing business and they focus primarily on commercial installations. Now, they've got a very specific technology that gives it a price advantage over, you know, conventional silicon panels, if you like. And what they do is they create like a very thin film, which they then use to almost laminate, if you like, over solar panels. And that film is extremely hard wearing, and it's also very, very good at basically collecting energy and you know harnessing the rays of the sun now this business started its its journey a couple of years back i think in a sort of late 90s or so but it hits a little bit of a wobble and one of the reasons it hit a wobble was it was initially focused very much on the retail segment and the retail part of the market and you know after realizing that this is a very different segment a very different game to play which is something just coincidentally where tesla operates in the solar city sort of business they decided to then pivot more toward commercial business lines and commercial businesses and if we fast forward then a few years down the track they've sort of reinvented themselves and are focusing on that space so i mean they were born in america in the midwest I mean, they ship worldwide. What's interesting about them and why they are considered, a, I think, a real winner now is with all this theme of onshoring, if you like, they fit perfectly into that space. Everything there is made in America, it's manufactured in America, it's designed in America. Nothing comes from overseas. It's, it's a pure American business and they've invested in manufacturing and American jobs, if you like, since day one. So they're the only US headquartered company amongst the world's top 10 solar module producers. Now, that's interesting for many reasons. Obviously, you know, if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, governments in the States going to, I guess, give preference to their local producers and suppliers. There's this ongoing issue with China, if you like, where, you know, China is probably the biggest producer of solar panels and, and solar components in the world. So this fits right into the first solar wheelhouse, you know, and how they can literally, in inverted commas, punt that as an investment destination for those IRA dollars. Also, I think what's interesting with this one is the growth runway is massive. I mean, it's absolutely massive. They can, you know, continue to grow at an extended pace for many, many years. And people look at the business and think, well, okay, with these high growth businesses, 
you know, what are the things we have to worry about? I think the first thing, obviously, is earnings, profitability, all of that. You know, that was a big theme that came out of 2022 when you saw growth stocks get absolutely slaughtered. Well, the thing about this one is it actually has a P.E., which is interesting, right? So a lot of growth stocks don't have PEs because they don't make any money. But yeah, this does have a PE. And you know, if one looks at the PE, it's you know sitting at the moment at about 26 times earnings, which isn't necessarily cheap in absolute terms. But if one looks at the growth expectations for the years ahead, that PE is going to be unwound considerably. And earnings expectations for about $7.50 this year, that should go up to almost $12 next year, which gives you a sense of the rate of growth and the PE unwind. Also, they have net cash on the balance sheet. So they have about a billion dollars in cash, lots of money sloshing around that they can use to fund for fund growth investments. Now, where the IRA comes into play with this one, which is however interesting, is they're going to be eligible to receive domestic manufacturing tax credits under the IRA. And, you know, if one goes into the sums of how all of that works, they can collect about 17 cents per watt for US produced modules. Now, they're in the process of ramping up their manufacturing capacity from 2.8 gigawatts to almost 11 gigawatts by 2026. And if you just punch that into the models and do all the sums, what you get is a, a run rate credit of as much as $1.8 billion in tax credits that they can generate from the IRA alone. And this is very simple and easy to understand, you know, in terms of the IRA structure. And so, you know, it gives companies like this the wherewithal and the confidence to expand and develop. So profitable business growing rapidly with a massive, massive runway ahead, cash on the balance sheet and an IRA underpin. So that would be the first one. And this is one that we do own in the unicorn portfolio. Yeah, Craig, I mean, I'm, I'm going to jump right in because the reason I wanted to like almost urgently get into First Solar is that it's such a stark contrast from next era that we looked at in kind of the dynamic compounding, cash flow generating dividend portfolio where utilities have been hard hit, that sector's been down, that stock's been down over the last year. And if we then just throw forward to First Solar, I'm just looking at the numbers now, and over the last year, the stock's up over 160%. You know, we've gone from levels of around $70 a share to currently like, what, close on $200 a share. So, I mean, that is, in fact, it's just over $200 a share. So, and that is a phenomenal growth rate. Uh, obviously, you expect to see this with growth stocks. And I mean, the last time we had seen the stock go parabolic like that was actually just pre the 2008 financial crisis. So, you know, just maybe a last comment on First Solar from you is, how much of this good news story, how much of the almost $2 billion worth of tax credits is already priced into the market? I know you're already an owner of the stock, but what we always try and, you know, kind of break apart and, you know, effectively understand, even in Magic Markets Premium, is it might be a great investment if you got in early, fantastic, well done, but is it something that you want to be looking at buying right now, especially with the kind of rally that we've seen over the last 12 months? Uh, what's your view on that in terms of what's priced in, in terms of all of this good news that you've just kind of shared with us? Sure. Well, I think when one looks back at the previous time, you know, share price reached this kind of levels, as you said, 2008-9, it was a very different business than it is today. Then it was still focusing more specifically, I think, on the retail side of the market, you know, it was, it's a very different market, a very difficult market to crack into. They had, a, as I said, a, a bit of a wobble, which resulted in quite a massive change in gear. The business reshifted its focus to commercial businesses. Commercial businesses are more predictable in the way they spend money. You know, they have different requirements they need to meet their green energy targets, you know, when it comes to, you know, old parts, you know, they recycle more responsibly. I think it's an easier cohort 
to you know to work with and to operate with and give so you know it gives them a lot more clarity and line of sight that's the one thing the second thing is the company is now generating you know revenues it's it's reaching some sort of scale i mean the market cap at the moment is 21 billion dollars so it's not a small business but it's hardly a large business you know, in the context of the states and the opportunity set ahead of it also you know, i think if one looks at the ability for the business to grow and the runway for for solar for clean and green energy you know we only now starting to see i think the real benefits of this technology filter through in a way which is scalable accessible more affordable and perhaps now with you know something like the ira really making it more important if you like you know from a global perspective and from a u.s perspective also as i said favored in the states because of their the heritage there the fact that they produce there that they employ there and then also if one just looks at the earnings coming through and you look at it from a simple valuation perspective if the company earns 12 dollars out a share next year you know it's sitting on about a 16 and a half times pe which is um you know hardly rich for a company in this stage of its growth cycle and with a runway ahead of it so it's very different to looking at a tech stock which is sitting at a price to sales of 25 and you know is investing massive amounts in r&d and sales and sales staff and that sort of thing this is a, a different kind of animal and i think the the timing is probably right for one to invest in a business like this now the caveat i'd say is which is the same thing for any investor that invests in the unicorn and unicorn type stocks is that it is obviously going to be a volatile investment you know these stocks do tend to bounce around quite a bit you know we do obviously bear that in mind when we put it into the portfolio and how we size it you know within the portfolio so it's not a massive position if you like but it's one that you know will give us nice exposure to this mega trend and the benefits it will go now if the portfolio or if the stock does get volatile and bounces around because the position size is reasonable you know we can always trade around that and add to it and and, and the rest of it so it gives us some optionality to also build a position in the stock over time so, Craig, what's coming through in those two companies that you've talked about, you know, one is very much a, a dividend and value type play. The other one's very much a growth play. And I think what I just want to sort of highlight for our listeners that I find really interesting in all of that is the way you need to think in those two styles. You know, in the value stock style, it's very much this dividend yield and what is that growing at? Sure, but dividend yield's important. Whereas with the other one, it's actually themes. It's stuff like onshoring and renewables, both really useful. Is that a way that uh, you know you tend to think about the portfolio? Yes, certainly, Ghost. I mean, you know, what we look at is we say, well, what is each portfolio's specific nuance, and what are we trying to achieve in that portfolio? And then within the themes that we're looking to get exposure to, so in this case clean energy green energy the ira what are the sort of stocks that fit into that specific portfolio objective and then we you know we go down and we look for the best ideas that we can find in that space so you know on the one hand you have next era energy partners which is very much a infrastructure type play you know they own massive assets whether it be as i said in pipelines power plants, solar plants, whatever you like to call them. Those are obviously fixed assets in nature. They collect revenues like toll booths and they are probably very good beneficiaries and, and hedges to inflation and economic disruption. On the other hand, with First Solar, I mean, you have the largest manufacturer of thin film solar modules globally. 
you know, they manufacture and, and sell these modules in the States, in Vietnam, Malaysia, India, you know, all over the world. And this is tapping into the growth section of green and clean energy, not just in the US, but potentially globally. And I think that's, you know, the hat one's got to put on. So, you know, with the growth portfolio, we're obviously looking for big runways, lots of upside, lots of optionality in the income portfolio, the income and the security of that income is the you know the biggest theme we're looking for there and, and is the most important aspect we look at when it comes to how we pick stocks in that portfolio yeah craig i mean that's just it's fascinating stuff and, and unfortunately we're kind of short on time again i mean we haven't even gotten to a third stock that we kind of highlighted in our, our sidebar discussions which was constellation energy and that goes into kind of nuclear power but unfortunately we don't even have time for that but luckily it's a stock that you guys are still kind of researching you're looking at and so i just want to put that on the radar because it's something i'm going to go and have a look at as well because now i think the distinction that you provided for me in terms of clean energy not necessarily being the same as green energy for example that's that's an important nuance just in terms of contextualizing the kind of themes that you look to get to play out through the portfolio i think for me what was valuable in this discussion is that you can almost apply that macro theme in terms of saying there's the ira there's this whole onshoring scenario emanating out of the us and kind of geopolitical tensions with china and so forth and you can get all of those themes to play through in two very different ways. You can get it to play through in a very conservative way, in a conservative portfolio with a stock, for example, like Next Era. You can get that to play in a growth portfolio with a stock like First Solar. So where I want to maybe wrap today's show is just to say that obviously these are not recommendations to our listeners. We're not saying go out there, buy these stocks. These are the team at Anbro sharing some of the ideas of stocks that they have held in their portfolio. It's putting these stocks on our radar, for example, as part of our broader research process. Uh, but again, I'd like to point our listeners toward the Anbro team. So Craig, uh, I'm going to jump in there and say that they can go to anbro.co as kind of your, your parent site. And from there, they'll find information on both those portfolios, both the dynamic compounding portfolio, as well as the unicorn portfolio. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So if you go to the, you know, the main website, as you said, moanbro.co, there are then links on that to the growth portfolio and to the dividend portfolio. So I'd like to say, you know, if one looks at the growth portfolio, I think perhaps what investors should compare that to are smaller high growth type investments you know as we alluded to in the past in previous shows you know these are founder run founder managed founder influenced companies with very big growth runways they tend to be more volatile by nature but can make enormous returns for investors over a long period of time for people that are not necessarily comfortable with that sort of volatility you know we then have the more conservative dividend orientated dividend compounding portfolio there we're looking for businesses that are very strong in terms of the the way they they're structured the balance sheets must be strong cash flows are vital dividends are sacrosanct and at the same time you know you might want to compare that portfolio to i guess something like the you know satrix divi the glow div perhaps even the, the property satrix property if you're looking at other high yielding type etfs or, or products out there so this one sits in the middle i mean we aim for a minimum four percent dividend yield in dollars in that portfolio so it's a little bit higher than you know than the s p 500 and the glow div perhaps a little bit lower than you know the satrix divi and property so it sits in the middle 
Thanks, Craig. I think that's that's important context. Unfortunately, that's where we've got to leave it uh, this week. So thanks to you. Thanks to the team at Ambro for always availing yourselves uh, of your time, sharing these ideas very generously with us. You know, it certainly gives us a lot more to go and look at, uh, puts some stocks on the radar. And until next week, same time, same place to our listeners, hit us up on social media. It's at Finance Ghost, at Mohammed Nala, and at Magic Markets Pod. One word. We hope you've enjoyed the show and cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Ambro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn Portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 